Are you listening? Stai ascoltando? Voi slusciate? The Global Voices Podcast. The world is talking. Are you listening? Hello, world. Welcome to another edition of the Global Voices Podcast. I'm your audio friend Jamila, and I have great company for this episode, so let's get him to introduce himself. Hi, Jamila. Hello, listeners. I'm Yazan, a Global Voices author based in Japan, and your co host for this episode. In the last month, we've seen one of the most interesting social media campaigns light up Twitter, Facebook, and other social networks. It divided netizens, brought awareness of sort to millions, and also had a rather tragic moment where one of the founders was hospitalized after a public episode. The Coney 2012 campaign, organized by Invisible Children, went viral with its video seen by plenty of people and so called action kits that sold out. But was it the right way to highlight an issue? Yes, and what did you make of it? Well, aside from all the valid critiques of the campaign, it obviously stirred up a storm of reactions. It won new supporters for the campaigners' cause and mobilized a good deal of the online sphere in that direction. But I think it remains to be seen whether this will materialize in more understanding of the conflict in reality. Well, there are points of criticism when it came to the project, not least from people inside Uganda. The few who were able to see the video and read about the campaign were less than pleased. Rosebel Kagomiri is a journalist and blogger from Uganda, now based in Kampala. She works as an editor for Channel 16, which is a news site for bloggers in the region to write about conflict and humanitarian news. She told me her thoughts when she first saw the Kony 2012 video. The first time I saw the video, it was really... Uh, the first few minutes, I was like, yeah, this is meant for an American audience, definitely, who who have never seen LRA much in the, in the media, who have not bothered to look at it carefully. But more important, it was that uh, I thought it was reducing a large complex conflict to just uh, simple solutions, telling the viewers that, you know, if you just uh, wear Connie's T-shirt and call your senator or whoever, the Connie war will end. And it basically didn't refer to many actors in this conflict. It just showed a child who has survived Connie's war being interviewed. But it does not even show the progress of this child since it interviewed him 10 years ago. You know, it showed a, a wrong picture. I thought at one point it would come back to Uganda to tell people that this is a situation in Uganda, but also stress that Connie is not longer in Uganda. I thought it could have been made much better. And I thought the people have access to this information. They know better than this. And I was very uh, disappointed that people who actually know much better than this could portray a conflict in that kind of way. You work on a, a blogging website, so you will have your finger on the pulse of what people are saying. What was the more general reaction in Uganda? I wouldn't easily capture the mood in Uganda because, you know, only less than 2% of Ugandans use the Internet. And most of the figures are now Ugandans using the mobile Internet. So it's very difficult for Ugandans to view this video. So I could only comment on the Ugandans uh, who are active on social media. I would say more than 90% didn't agree with it, realized that it was uh, really a misrepresentation of the current situation. But also many Ugandans abroad were quick to respond 
and they said this is not true. But also many Ugandans thought those who are online, and which is a small percentage, so I wouldn't uh, want to you to think that it's most Ugandans, but these are most Ugandans on social media. They thought that the situation was not portrayed the right way and that he ignored key important issues that meant uh, a lot that in bringing peace to northern Uganda, like the peace efforts. We thought that it was totally uh, blacking out the efforts of Ugandans and Africans and other governments like South Sudan who played an important role in bringing peace to northern Uganda. It could be argued now, though, that far more people know who Kony is and that awareness might actually be helpful even if the topic was simplified maybe a bit too much. Is the awareness helpful at least to outside audiences? If you're looking at awareness that is based on half-truths, it's not necessarily great awareness based on propaganda. If you ask the most people who viewed that, apart from them knowing Central Africa and Joseph Kony a bad man and support America, what is more to it? And I'm saying that the, the intervention is much more complex than just supporting America's intervention. But besides, even if people got to know, I always pointed to people every year, every day, we see a newscast about uh, Palestine. Has that changed the fact that even a person in, in a village in, in Uganda knows about Gaza and all these things going on? Does that really change the situation in Gaza? It has not. So let's not mistake awareness of a conflict to action. Very much mm-hmm. different. We have seen that in complex conflicts, the awareness is just a small part of it. And I believe that those who are supposed to act already know the situation very well. And that's why we, the American military had been involved here as far back as 2008 when they supported a military operation against Kony's camp, which was very unsuccessful and led to Kony spreading further to Central African Republic. So these kinds of uh, videos do not tell you the failures of the government that they're asking you to promote. And I think that is not really what is going to help end the war. It's important to learn from the mistakes of these actors, whether it's the American government or the Ugandan government, if you're going to help end this war. Are there better ways that people outside of Uganda can show an interest, be helpful, or educate themselves about the situation as it stands today? I think specifically in Uganda, because one of the many uh, criticisms we are saying that the video does not actually tell the current story. It does not go to Congo. These people had the money. They could have gone to Congo to show the world the current atrocities that are going on on the ground so that people could pressure people like uh, President Kabira to make sure that uh, he protects civilians, that his army offers to protect more civilians than it's currently doing, but it it focuses uh, on Uganda where there's no war. So it's important that people in uh, who are, have taken interest in this know that the current needs of northern Ugandan people are reconstruction and resettlement. People are looking to build their lives after living in camps for decades. So they are struggling going back home after decades of living in an IDP camp. It's not an easy, so it's an easy way. So there, there are real challenges that can be supported, and Ugandan NGOs working on the ground to ensure that people are supported in their return and resettlement. So there are still challenges that people who have picked interest can support. And I don't think that telling people that they support by just wearing a T-shirt and giving you money that would stop Connie. I think. The most urgent need for northern Uganda is reconstruction. It's also been said the Kony video doesn't show things that are great about Uganda. Would it be more helpful to show some of the more positive areas where work is being done and Ugandans are doing great things? 
we were not begging that the video shows what is great about Uganda. We're only hoping that it could tell the right story of what was going on at the time. And the, the key players, we have uh, people who have mediated to bring uh, peace in the region. So this video basically tells uh, 100 million people that uh, Ugandans and Africans have been seated waiting for you to rescue them. So we are saying, no, that's not the narrative that we have people who risked their lives and went to the jungles as far back as in 1996 to end this war. But uh, the war was being supported by different uh, governments, with uh, indirectly uh, neighboring governments, but also uh, the, the failure of our, of our troops and also it, uh, the, the allies of the government of Uganda has a, have a hand in this failure to end the war. So I think it's important that we, we realize that these efforts were by Ugandans, other African nations. So that is what we were looking for, that uh, it's not just a rosy image, but paying tribute to those who came before you and those Ugandans who struggled to ensure that we have the little peace we have in northern Uganda. Having observed the fallout and the repercussions of the, the Kony video and the campaign, what would be your advice to organizations who want to try and do some good online when it comes to supporting other countries, because this did not seem to go so well, but maybe showing some sort of support or recognition could be a good idea if people are a bit more careful. I think organizations can do a great job to help, you know, but also organizations should not be engaged in kind of a Hollywood kind of a sensationalization because they know better, you know, and besides, they must learn that locals know best. They have suffered this war and they must be included in any mention of a solution. But if you see a solution that does not put the people who have suffered on the forefront, then that is not a solution. That will not be a long-lasting solution. And uh, that's why people on the ground know that the war is much more complex and that we need to pressure different actors, not just American government, that we need to see more involvement of Governments like uh, President Kabira must be put to task, protect civilians. So we know that when you go on the ground and involve uh, people who have suffered a conflict, you'll have a, a, a totally different perspective and your intervention would be in touch with reality. Do you know about Global Voices Advocacy? With Global Voices Advocacy, we seek to build a global anti-censorship network of bloggers and online activists throughout the developing world dedicated to protecting freedom of expression and free access to information online. Find out more at globalvoicesonline.org. Citizens in many African nations found that the Kony campaign was not something that they agreed with. Femi Adishina is a web and creative technologist and describes herself as an African in the diaspora. She's a British-born Nigerian. She told you, Jamila, her thoughts on the online campaign. You can't really condemn people for trying to do something good. Unfortunately, I think there's a really common saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Seeing Kony 2012 didn't shock me. I don't think it shocked as many people in the African diaspora, but I'm sure it was shocking to the West. The thing that shocked me about it was the fact that I knew it was six years late. So it felt a little bit like a slap in the face. You sort of flip back and forth thinking, I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't make sense to me. It's almost paternalistic. But then on the other hand, you also recognize that people are trying to do something. Is this something that you've seen before with good intentions not really hitting the mark? 
Oh, the NGO field is filled with good intentions. One of the most famous examples of good intentions was the guy who started, I wear your t-shirts or one million t-shirts, where this guy, apparently a really cool guy, decided that he was going to get people to donate t-shirts and donate them to Africa. And I'm doing the inverted quotes here, Africa, because you start to think, well, where in Africa? He wanted these people to donate the t-shirts that new, old, whatever, and send them on. He had good intentions to clothe these Africans without a single thought for the businesses in Africa that actually made their money and made their livelihood making t-shirts and selling t-shirts to their own population. You sort of want to save people from themselves, and Africans have never needed saving from themselves at all. What they've needed has always been a fair shot. Do you think that organisations like Invisible Children are the right people to lead that sort of campaign? Or do you think that authentic voices is a better idea? There are already authentic African voices speaking out. There have been. They have been before Invisible Children gone in there. I'm not going to say that there is a right and wrong person to lead a campaign. I don't think Invisible Children led the campaign at all. They raised awareness in the West, but again, they raised awareness six years later. Would you credit them with kicking out Kony? Well, no, Kony's not in Uganda, as far as we know. Barack Obama already committed troops to Kony. Okay, there were a hundred of them. They led their own campaign, but again, for what? You mentioned this kind of savior complex. Mm-hmm. Do you think part of the paternalism also stems from the ease at which activists in the West can create their own online campaigns, but they're not seeing that because of connectivity issues or indeed internet penetration in different African countries. So it is more difficult to get a message out for people to do that for themselves. People have been getting messages out before the internet. It makes messaging faster, but people have always got word out way, way before. So I don't really see it as that. I think One thing that we forget is at some point when you were 16, you wanted to save the world and you believed the world could be saved and you would do anything. You know, if you heard about a little a little problem here, you truly believed in the power of justice. And and you truly believed that if we all just got together and helped each other, things would be fine. And I think that's why you have a lot of younger people who start campaigns like this, because there's a certain naivete and a certain feeling, a need to make the world right. And you just can't jump into a situation without understanding it. You might have small wins, but in the end, you can have long-term failure. You just can't go in there all guns blazing. Have some respect for the people who are already there and ask them what is necessary. Online campaigning is not new. It can be a good way to crowdsource opinion, collect volunteers and even raise money. Yazan, have there been campaigns that you have seen which have been more effective? I think the anti-SOPA online demonstrations were quite effective. They were informative and they managed to educate a large segment of the connected populace through the involvement of Wikipedia, of course, about the dangers of institutional censorship of the web. Well, we threw the question out to more of our Global Voices community, asking for their thoughts on online campaigns. And this is what they told us. 
Αν θέλετε να σου πω ότι η Ελλάδα είναι η Ελλάδα, η Ελλάδα είναι η Ελλάδα. Το πρόβλημα είναι ότι η Ελλάδα είναι η But it's not the only one, and it's unduly garnered a lot of attention because its promoters use both unscrupulous means to put together the whole advocacy angle and to promote it, as far as I can tell. I think it is a boomerang effect. In this specific instance, Uganda may probably be aided inadvertently, despite these people's intentions, because Ugandan bloggers themselves went on the public debate and tried to shift the debate on the issues that really matter and affect Uganda today. There is a branch of journalism that could be called criminal journalism. In social media today, we could see the similar effects. All this goes into a sort of feedback. So nothing goes unchallenged, especially if people are out there trying to debunk the issues and research further. Hello, I'm Rana Khattab. I can't say that online campaigns are good. In general, I do say they are effective. I don't think that there is any profit or non-profit project or organization that would work without having an online campaign. And no one ever should underestimate the power of social media. If they can have a Facebook page, they should. If they can have their Twitter timeline, they should. And if they can have a bigger effect on YouTube or other channels, they should. I think that it would be interesting because now we do have this stereotype of if you have this online campaign it means it's informal and it's driven by the civil community not by the higher authorities. I do think since some revolutions actually started by online campaigns higher authorities should actually use this as well to be somehow near the people and to know how they think and for us as users to have a broader idea on how to choose which campaign to follow and which not to share. So they're not a waste of time. Hello, Duval Koto Manano. I'm from Madagascar and I'm the editor of the Francophone content for Global Voices. When talking about the uh, Kony 2012 campaign, after all, the results are more than 70 million viewers worldwide And on a policy level, the African Union planning to deploy more troops you know, to hunt down Kony and the rest of the LRA. The objective that this campaign has set out to do, I think they have reached that. I'm always a bit wary of criticizing projects, especially when clearly they're trying to make a change where maybe things could be improved. However, in this case, there were a few important aspects that the video campaign kind of missed. It is clear that the video could have used a little more of the uh, perspective of Uganda. You cannot take the agency away from the people who have suffered from this crime. The issue of uh, raising awareness is always a bit complex because thanks to a uh, Hollywood movie, people are now quite aware of the existence of Madagascar, but they don't really know what Madagascar is. That's our job at that point. The hope is that campaigns, like the one that the Kony campaign has done, when you raise awareness, even if it's a little bit simplified, then you can build on that. We Madagascar are trying to build upon the buzz that is created by the Hollywood production, 
and let people know that it's not just about animals and cartoons and a beautiful landscape, that there is much more to it. It's interesting to try to dig deeper. In our current society, it's a little bit difficult with the attention span that we have right now and the 24-hour cycle. But once you have it, you cannot really uh, forego the opportunity to try to tell people the real story. Hi, this is Mohammed Adel, Yemeni living in Saudi Arabia. I believe it's a very, very good way to touch people as much as they can. You can see the video, Connie 2012. In two weeks only, over 70 million watched the video because they believed in it in the call of that campaign. And the campaign of Unite for Syria, you can check it on Facebook. People are urging the UN Security Council to unite for Syria to stop one year of bloodshed. People from all over the world, celebrities and activists, even normal people, show their solidarity by uploading videos and photos to support the campaign because they believed in that campaign. All these campaigns are reaching people by internet, touching millions. So, online campaign is a good thing. My name is Mohammed Ragab. I am doing the volunteering translation for Global Voices online. I have seen that video about Kony 2012. I was very pleased that someone like that guy who went to Africa and he faced all of these hazards to have all of these information about that criminal and that he decided that he can do something. I wish very soon Pony would be captured. I live very close to Tahrir Square in Cairo. That comparison between the campaigns on the ground and the campaigns online, they all start nowadays online. If it's a demonstration, if it's a strike, if it's anything, any kind of these uprisings, they all start online through their friends, their relatives, the other people that they trust, that they can get these information from online so they can join any of these campaigns even if they haven't seen them themselves online. That happens a lot. If we go back to what happened in Egypt, the number of people in Cairo who came down to the street are much, much bigger than the people who really use the internet in Cairo. But the people use the internet for both, for good and for bad. And I think about the bad thing, it spreads maybe quicker than for good things. I'd like to try the experience of doing it face to face and go through the actual campaign besides the internet. I think that will make it more exciting and more effective because it's very difficult to convince people face to face as how in compare or in the other side it's very easy to send a message or make a campaign write in few sentences. This is what we're going to do and they read them and forget about them. Do you know about Global Voices Lingua? Project Lingua amplifies Global Voices stories in languages other than English with the help of volunteer translators. It opens the line of communication with non-English speaking bloggers and readers of Global Voices by translating content into other languages. Find out more at Global Voices online slash Lingua. The Kony campaign is clearly not the only form of online activism. Many people choose social media tools to get their message across. Unite Syria marked the escalation of protests and violence in that country, and many people around the world chose to show their support for people in Syria by uploading images. Tarek Amr, 
is an engineer and an author for Global Voices based in Cairo, Egypt. He told us more about the campaign. You know, normally people are reacting over Facebook and, and Twitter all the time since the, the beginning of the revolution. But also during this week, which marks the one-year anniversary of the revolution, there were some events scheduled to take place in the 15th of March. It was called the Unite for Syria. It's mainly like a call for the Security Council in order to reach an agreement or take some stance against what's going on in Syria and against the Syrian regime. Because, as you might have known, the Russians and the Chinese are, are having veto powers and are preventing any actual decision to take place inside the, the Security Council during the, the past few months. And so, what were your impressions then of that campaign and the way it was put together, the way people might interact with it online? The campaign itself it was mainly a call for people to submit photos of themselves carrying banners with slogans like Unite for Syria or Stop the Massacre taking place there. And it was a call for people from different places all over the world so they can use their own languages as well. And also there were like some celebrities and activists taking place. Alal Aswani and Alal Fattah from Egypt. There was Stephen Fry, I think, and Nelly Furtado. And also there was an open letter. The main callers for this event was the International Federation for Human Rights. And they also published an open letter designated mainly for, for the Security Council. And there were many people who had signed this letter, including Desmond Tutu and Mokhtar Yahyawi from Tunisia and some other celebrities as well. What are the effects then? I mean, looking at the past photographs that were posted on Facebook relating to the March 15th campaign for Syria, there seem to be a lot of people who are either involved already in humanitarian work or activism, and also people who are closer to that region, who have a better understanding. Was the problem with the Coney campaign more that these people seem to be unrelated to the problem within the country, whereas, say, March 15th has a bit more involvement and experience? I think one of the main problems is that we cannot measure the success of such campaigns except using like the number of clicks and number of Facebook likes and all those social media related measurements, which are not really what we are looking for because I think we are looking mainly for the success of such campaign on the ground, how they are going to change the situation or what's going on. But when it comes to the to the United for Syria I think its audience are a bit different. Its main targets are Russia and, and China, because those are the ones who are vetoing any action in the, in the Security Council. So I think it's trying to put some pressure on the Russian government mainly by putting those videos and those photographs and delivering the message. And you can see this in using different languages so they can they are also focusing on people from Russia to participate and to deliver the message to the people there and to the government. But still, we cannot know how this will succeed. It's hard to measure the success of such campaigns. Is it more a matter then that when it comes to social media campaigns, maybe it doesn't actually force the issues? It might be able to raise awareness and it might make us feel a bit better to say what we think. But to actually effect change that's a different mechanism that is not related to Facebook or Twitter at all but in fact comes down to lobbying or actually writing to your your own government in a different way. 
At some point, yes, the media has an effect, and social media is a, is a part of this media, so it should have some effect as well. But still, you cannot tell how, how this effect will be or how you can measure it, because at some cases, media can have effect, and some other cases, it cannot have this effect, because there are like things are more complicated, people like are not really interested or, or anything else. So people, yeah, they, they still have to try and have to try the, to use the media because it's something, some tool that they have, especially social media. But at the end of the day, they have to like find other ways if lobbying uh, and using social media didn't succeed. Of course, there are PR companies that work closely with online campaigns for non-profits and activist groups. Boyd Neal is SVP and National Practice Leader for Social Media and Digital Communications at Hill & Knowlton Strategies in Canada. He says that getting social web right is difficult. It is a minefield, but I think that people are beginning to recognize that the existence of the social web hasn't necessarily changed the way we think about issues, for example, but it has changed pretty fundamentally just about everything else about how you manage campaigns issues online. It's changed, I think, most dramatically the expectations that people have in communities of what is acceptable behavior, for example. So the uh, pressure on corporations in particular to recognize the power of the social web to reflect people's new expectations is pretty significant. And advocacy groups and nonprofits are beginning to recognize that companies are thinking that way. In other words, there's been a, a leveling of the playing field, if you like, between those with power and those who are affected by the exercise of power. And each of them are beginning to recognize that companies and government organizations are beginning to recognize that there's a new power that people get from having access to the social web. And I think nonprofits and advocacy groups are recognizing that they have that power now with the social web. You know, when you work with a nonprofit, what they have, generally speaking, is staff. They have volunteers. What they don't tend to have is a lot of money. But that's good from the perspective of the social web because you don't need a lot of money in order to launch a social web campaign. What you need is people willing to be active. That's partly why activist groups and nonprofits in particular are often far ahead of corporations and governments in using the social web because they can devote the energy that's needed in order to take advantage of them. When you get down to talking about strategy with nonprofits or advocacy groups, you have to recognize that there are about four different ways in which people can interact on the social web. By the way, I refer to it as the social web, not social media, because social media implies that the communication that you're going to do on these platforms is one way. It's broadcast, and that's not what the social web is about. It's about relationships. So the four things that you can do with people on the social web, you can connect with them is the first, and that's the lowest level of engagement uh, or, or interaction, I'll say. That's simply people liking your Facebook page or following you on Twitter but not doing anything about it. Then the next level up on this continuum is engagement. And that's where people actually start to interact back and forth with you as an organization on your social platform. So it might be commenting on a blog post or it might be asking a question on your Facebook wall or retweeting something that you've said. So it's actually interacting with you on a relationship level. 
And then the third thing is influence. And that's where the people you've connected with as an organization on the social web begin to attach you as an organization to their networks. So retweets are a good example. So they say, I like what this organization's saying. So I'm going to tell everyone that I know on my platforms that I like what they're saying. And then the fourth level of activity is action. And that is where the people who are engaged with you on the social web actually participate in whatever activity you are asking them to do in support of your cause or your political effort. There's always a passion and a fire when it comes to charitable organization. Is there also a risk of alienating part of the audience if there's not a strategy in place about how to engage with people? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think part of the problem often is, is that advocacy groups, charitable organizations, they believe that expressing anger is enough and that if they constantly express that anger, then somehow that will bring about change. But it's the unbalanced expression of anger that is what tends to turn people off. A lot of people are smarter than what many activist groups and nonprofits think. They want to see ideological balance. They don't want to see, and I, I use an example, there's an organization that it's called Rape is No Joke. And Rape is No Joke is a, you know, it's an organization that's attempting to bring stronger laws with respect to the treatment of people who assault women. And that's, of course, an outstanding campaign, and it's critical to have that. But when you review their material, what you see is, is that they go beyond the issue of rape. What they do is they then begin to make comments on demonstrations around G20 meetings and about the actions of security forces with respect to those events. And you're sitting there as someone saying, I'm participating with this organization because I fundamentally believe more has to be done about rape. And yet what they're doing is trying to connect me to an issue that I'm not interested in, I don't care about, I don't think is significant. And they do that because they think, well, if you're angry about how women are treated, then you must also be angry about how security services handle demonstrations. And the two don't jive. So I think what you have to do is you have to recognize that people attach themselves to a cause because it affects them emotionally and don't try and make them into, you know, thorough left-wing radicals, for example, who take a left-wing point of view on every issue. That's not the point. Use the emotion that they feel about the particular issue and move them along that continuum towards action around that issue, not every issue. It seems from our guests in this edition that they are divided on what they made of the Coney campaign, but mostly united on the idea that social web can help amplify a message in a good way. What do you think, Yazo? Well, it depends on how you measure success in online campaigns. Amplifying a message doesn't necessarily translate into the desired effect beyond the virtual real. I think you'll find that people who have an informed insight on the issues are the ones who can be truly effective, because it makes them feel, and rightly so, that they have a personal stake in the outcome. Well, sadly, that's all we have time for in this edition of the Global Voices podcast. Online activism done well, and in the right cases, can be a force for good. But beware campaigns that don't quite hit the mark, and take care to include the communities that are in focus. 
If you'd like to get in touch about the Global Voices podcast, come and find us at globalvoicesonline.org. All that remains now is for me to thank you, Yazan, for keeping me company in this episode. Thank you, Jamila, for having me here. The Global Voices podcast. The world is talking. We hope you've been listening. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Global Voices. You can follow Global Voices stories on Facebook, too.